Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Project Egg Show. Today, we have the honor of speaking with a Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson. How are you doing today, Dave? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, especially because I get to hang out with you. And I'm really appreciative of your time. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on the show today. I'm happy to get my egg on, man. I'm ready. <laughs> let's get our egg on. That's awesome. <laughs> so let's jump right in. What is your story? My story is I, my boy, that's, it's how far back do you want me to go? I actually thought I was going to be a copier technician. I went to school to be a geek and I, I wanted to fix stuff. And then I found out that when your job is to fix stuff, every person you run into is upset because their stuff is broken which is fine, except if you're fixing copiers, you're also going home covered in soot. And uh, luckily, I have the gift of gab. And I did that for about two years. And the company I worked for said, we actually created a position for you. We want you to go out and train people how to not run their copier. So I'm out there to train them how to run it, but not to run it. And you're going to set it up. And by doing that, we had a better trained customer. We had less kind of, you know, operator error kind of things. And then that worked really well. And I'm like, do you know anything about computers? And I'm like, well, I used one in college and I taught college or I taught computers for years. And then the bad news is when you're in the training department, about every seven years, they go, oh, wait, we, we don't have enough training for the number of trainers. Now, if it was me, call me crazy, I would find new sales guys that could sell the training, but instead they downsize the training department. So uh, over the years, that's happened two times where it's like, you're our best trainer, but we got to let you go. And so over the last uh, well, almost, uh, let's see what I'm going to have here. What is this? 2014 years in about two days, um, I've been podcasting. And so I knew all the players in the podcasting space. So the last time that happened, I called up a company called Libsyn that I knew and said, hey, I have bad news and good news. And they go, what's the bad news? I go, I just lost my job. And they're like, what's the good news? And they're like, uh, I can come work for you. And they went, oh, okay. And uh, took a couple of weeks to get the paperwork handled out. But uh, so I've gone from from being a trainer in the corporate world to now working at Libsyn Plus. I now have, and it's always been a super serious side hustle, the uh, the school of podcasting. And, and if I could somehow wrangle in some really cheap health benefits, uh, I'd probably still be doing that full time. But uh, for me, I make more money now than I did when I was a trainer in college. I get to go to all these great podcasting events, which I used to have to take vacation time for, and I'll get paid to go. Like this weekend, I'm going to Vegas for the National Association of Broadcasters, and I get a much broader view of what's going on in podcasting. So I don't see me leaving Libsyn anytime soon. I'm really happy where I'm at. And plus, uh, it gives me, like I say, it's it's now the school of podcasting. It's just like a super serious part-time job that I do in the evening, so. So that's my story in a nutshell. I want to jump back into your childhood. Mm -hmm. What did it smell like? What did it smell like? Uh, if I were to joke about it, government cheese. Uh, my dad was a long distance truck driver and he was another guy that occasionally would lose his job. Uh, so on a, we, I do know the taste of government cheese, um, but probably uh, and rubber. Uh, I, I grew up in Akron, Ohio, and it, at the back then, there were a lot of rubber factories. So if you went, especially on Route 76, you're just driving along going, oh, great, burning rubber. This is awesome. I love living here. So uh, yeah, so that's, that's where I grew up. 
What was your relationship like with your parents? My mom was the best. Uh, my mom, it's, if you can have like totally different, my dad was a drill sergeant in the, the air force. So was very like, he had a very, very niche, um, sense of humor. Like you couldn't hit it, but man, if you hit it, it was belly laughs for hours. So it was very bizarre, uh, and very disciplined. So he was, you know, not known for a sense of humor. My mom, on the other hand, was all about the pun and just tons of sarcasm and stuff like that. So she and I had a great time. And my dad, being a truck driver, um, it's not one of those cases where, man, the guy was never around because he was a deadbeat. The guy wasn't around because he was a hardworking guy and, you know, supplying for his family. So uh, it was kind of weird because he was around, but he wasn't around. So it was one of those things where uh, he passed away a couple of years ago. And it was kind of weird because you, you miss him because he's your dad, but it was also kind of weird because it's like, I never really kind of got to know the guy. So that was kind of different, but, uh, no, my parents were awesome, uh, married forever. And, uh, you know, it was always, like I say, it was a different household because I had one parent that I was always like, man, if I ever have kids, I'm going to parent them like my mom. And then there was my dad and I'm like, I'm definitely going to go that route. He was the guy that's like, as long as you're under my house, you will abide by my rules. And, you know, very strict disciplinarian kind of guy. So it was a, a interest, interesting mix of uh, parenting styles. When I asked you about that, it, w- it was interesting how you kind of spoke about humor and also like the level of strictness. Right. Why, why were those two things the standout, uh, like the standout things for you? Yeah, my mom, it was interesting. I remember when I was in college, I worked a block and a half from my house. It was really cool. I was a a waiter. Actually, technically, I was a car hop at a drive-in restaurant. And my house was the fun house. We had a a pool table. We had a ping pong table. We had a jam and stereo in the basement. And there were times when I would come home and my friends were at my house just hanging out in the living room talking to my mom because it was an adult that they felt really comfortable talking to and she could kind of play guidance counselor or something. It wasn't, you could get parental advice without telling your parents all the nasty things you were doing. So she was kind of the cool parent, but yet, you know, steering them in the right direction and just hilarious. She was always, you know, um, just didn't take herself too seriously. So she was always a lot of fun uh, to be around. And I guess my dad, the first thing I, I think of is when I grew up is he, he unfortunately, you know, somebody's got to be good cop and somebody's got to be bad cop. And he was, uh, he was definitely got the guy that be, you know, wait till your father gets home was like a, a, uh, a phrase that would strike fear <laughs> into, to me. I have an older brother and an older sister. We're like, oh, but then on the other hand, as I learned later, uh, cause when I, he started, uh, being a trucker when I was like five. So my, my, he was around a little bit when I was growing up when I was little, but once he became a truck driver, that phrase meant nothing. Wait till your dad gets home. I'm like, all right, well, it's Tuesday. He won't be home till Friday. So I'll just keep being a little varmint over here. So it was a lot of fun, but yeah, those are probably the, the two differences. My, like I say, they were just polar opposites, but yet, um, you know, they, they were just a great couple. As you were growing up, what were, the activities and and the the activities that you partook in and why did you partake in them i mean when i was little it was always kind of uh i was somewhat independent my mom always told the story that i i I worked a block and a half from my house but i also went to school when i was little my my elementary school was a block and a half away and she was going to walk me to kindergarten and i looked there at the ripe old age of five and said 
why would you walk me to kindergarten? It's like, it's, it's right there. It's up the street. It's like, and so she's like, all right. So I let this little five-year-old walk to school every day. So it was always kind of independent. Um, I was able to ride my bike over to my cousin's house before he was allowed to ride it over to me. So I asked my mom about that once. I said, like, what was your parenting, like, like a mission or whatever? She says, if it didn't kill you and you know, it wasn't, you know, I would just let you do it. She goes, I just tried not to say no as often as possible, as long as it wasn't going to get you into trouble or things like that. And so she says, so for the most time, I just went, yeah, all right, let's see what happens. And, you know, I taught him right from wrong. So, uh, but then it was, um, you know, other things I got into, like I had a paper route growing up. And so that's where I kind of just, uh, I had my, uh, you're probably too old for or too young for this, but there was a program on when I was growing up called the Waltons. And it was this, this family that lived in the woods of somewhere back in like the, who knows, thirties or forties. And it was all about family and together. And I had this like Waltons moment with my grandpa where he just sat me down one day and was kind of like, look, you're a Jackson and you go home tired if you have a job and you give it everything you got and you want other people to go, man, I'm so glad that guy's working for me. So when I got a paper route, I was like, all right, how can I be better than the dude that I just took the paper route from? So, all right, I'm going to put the paper in the door and I'm going to make sure it doesn't get wet. I'm going to deliver it on time. So just over the years, that's always been my motto of like, okay, how can I, how can I do my job so that I missed if I leave? And so, you know, from the paper route, it went to being a, uh, it's funny, my very first official job was I was a, a grocery bagger at a place. Now at the time, I'm 16 and it's hard to believe now, painfully shy, like cannot, mm, if you're around my friends, maybe, but in terms of meeting new people, forget about it. I'm not going to say a word. And I actually got fired because I was too shy. And the manager pulled me aside and said, you've got to be able to talk to customers. And he goes, you seem like a nice guy, but you're just, you just got to come out of your shell and, and we don't have time to, to do that here. So I had gotten the job through school. And so the teacher at my high school was like, same thing. You got you to gotta come out of your shell. And I'm like, you know, it's like, I always love when people go, well, you're in a bad mood. Like that's supposed to make you come out of it. So saying you need to come out of your shell doesn't really work either. And um, he gave me a great line. He said, uh, look, here's what I want you to do. Just act like you're outgoing. And then uh, he goes, if you act the way you want to be, someday you will be the way you act, which later, of course, has been rephrased to fake it till you make it. So I did. I just started pretending like I was outgoing. And then it was funny because the next job I got was another job as a grocery bagger. But this time I excelled at it and just, you know, and then that led to, um, I eventually went back to college, got my uh, electronics degree, um, fell into training. And then at the ripe old age of 42, in between, I think the first time I got, I was told I'm a great trainer, but I got to let you go. I then tried to get a, a job in training, but my degree was in, in electronic engineering. And so when they said, yeah, we can't really even talk to you without that piece of paper. And I was like, ugh. so at the ripe old age of 42, I went back to school, which was fun because you'd walk in and people were like, oh, are you the, are you the teacher? And I'm like, no, no, I'm one of the students. Thanks anyway, though. So, uh, but got that degree. And that's when I said, I went back into training thinking, okay, I've got the paper now. I'm set for life. And then it was like, you know, seven years later. Yeah, you're one of our best trainers. It's really so sad that we got to let you go. And I was like, all right, I'm tired of this. Plus I saw the writing on the wall with that one. I remember I was teaching a, uh, a Microsoft Excel class. I taught a lot of Microsoft Excel and QuickBooks and things like that. And uh, one of my students asked me, they said, hey, have you ever used these two features together? 
And I did the teacher thing. And I'm like, you know, I know those two features, but I've never used them together. Let's write it on the board and we'll talk about it on break. And I wrote it on the board and he asked his phone and got an answer. And I went, oh, I'm going to get replaced by a phone. So I saw the writing on the wall. So that's, that's the other reason when that kind of went away eventually, because five, a, a team of five trainers went down to four, went down to three, went down to two. And I was like, ah, here we go. Uh, and so that's when I was like, when that was done, I was like, let's go see if I can get a job in podcasting. When did you start your first podcast and what was the inspiration for doing so? I had been doing a newsletter for musicians. That's another one of my backgrounds. I played guitar uh, growing up and I had uh, started off doing a project on where's the best place to sell your CD. And in the process, just had all these cool tips and somebody said, you should put these in like a newsletter. So I, I made a website, had a newsletter and had probably somewhere around 1200 people on it. And then a friend of mine, another guy that was in the music business had gone to this event and said, Hey, I just came back from this big thing. And this tells you how long ago it was. Um, he goes, remember how you missed the MySpace boat? And I'm like, yes, I missed the MySpace boat. He goes, the next big thing is podcasting. And I went, what's a podcasting? And I remember I Googled it and there was one and a half pages. I thought I'd actually broken like the internet. I'm like, wait, there's no results on this. And uh, so that was my first official podcast was April 4th, which I think is tomorrow, uh, 2005. And that was for the musicians cooler. It's horrendous. It's absolutely horrendous. Uh, I started off with some weird rap song and I'm not even a big fan of rap music. It's just, I listen to it and just cringe. Uh, but when I started using that and all it was, it was the exact same information I was putting into the newsletter. And I had people say, this is so much cooler because you go from being words on a page to like, wow, there's actually a person behind this putting together this content. And then my first voicemail came from a guy named Michael Van Lahr from Nuremberg, Germany. And I, I just kept hitting play on it because it was like, hello, Dave, this is Michael Van Lahr from Nuremberg, Germany. I'm like, did he just say, hold on, Michael Van Lahr from Nuremberg? No, that can't be. Michael Van Lahr is like, I can't believe somebody on the other side of the planet is listening to my podcast and he likes it. And that's, I think, when I was like, oh, I'm going to do this till the day I die. Because it's just such a, it, it scratches every itch I have. It allows me to teach. It allows me to be creative because there are no rules. You can do whatever you want. And then the fact that it's kind of geeky. There's a little bit of technology involved. And that's always evolving and things like that. So I'm like, well, that scratches about every itch I have. It's technology, it's teaching, and I get to help people. I'm like, sold. So uh, I was in a... Um, a documentary, it's on Amazon called The Messengers. And they asked me, you know, when do you think you'll stop podcasting? I said, the day after I die. Because I really just see myself, as long as I got a, you know, sharp noodle going on, I can get a thought out of my mouth, I'll be okay. But uh, it really is a, a just a great platform. So that first podcast, was that the one that you still have now? It, like, how did how did your shows develop Evolve. over time yeah it's funny most of them were were either a tests or just flat out most of them were tests the first one was called uh, the musician cyber cooler why because back then the internet was known as cyberspace and then the word cyber got kind of linked to the word sex it was like everything oh cyber sex Ooh, and i was like all right we got to get the word cyber out of there so then it was the musician's cooler and it had a picture of a big water cooler on it, you know, where musicians come to trade advice. And that's when I learned you, if you confuse, you lose. And so the fact that I had to say, you know, it's kind of where musicians come. It's a water cooler. They didn't get it. So I eventually changed the name again to the marketing musician. And I did that, that podcast for about 10 years. 
And after about 10 years, I'd kind of said all I could, plus the music industry had really changed and I wasn't in a band anymore. And I just kind of went, I think I'm done with this. And I'd started the, uh, that was in 2005. And I started the school of podcasting shortly thereafter. And I've been doing that one ever since. But I do a show, it's a live show on Saturday morning called Ask the Podcast Coach because I wanted to test live stuff. And so at the time I was using, I think, Blog Talk Radio and now I'm using uh, Google Hangouts. And that was going to be, I don't know, a couple weeks. Well, then people started showing up and they're like, well, no, don't shut it down. This is fun. So I've been doing that for a few years. Uh, I do a show called the Podcast Rodeo Show because that was one where I don't have any more time to do podcasts. And I said, I need a podcast that needs no show prep. And I'm like, okay, I'll grab a random podcast. I'll listen to a couple minutes and let you know what I think. Hence the podcast rodeo show, throw it on and see how long I can hang on. And that was supposed to be another one that was like, I'll do it for a month. I'm going to test this other media host and then I'll shut it down. And after about a month, people are like, this is hilarious. I can't believe you're saying this about other people's podcasts because many of them are not great. And I would just say, okay, you sound like you're frying bacon underwater when you're recording your podcast. That's not going to work. You know, uh, so a lot of them have just been tests and, and not all of them have stuck around. I've probably started, I think the last time I counted over 30 different shows over the, the 14 years. And some of them I just thought would be great. Uh, one of the times when I got laid off, I had won an award for customer service. So I started the customer service show and I thought, oh, I had this, this picture of, you know, I'm getting hired to go out and help companies with their customer service and I'll share my insights and it's just going to be great. It's going to blow up. And then after about four episodes, I just sounded like a cranky old guy going, I can't believe I went to this store today and they didn't remember. And I was just like, I just, I didn't have the passion for it. And I just went, all right, well, that's, I think I did six episodes of that and went, yeah, this isn't what I want to do. So you, some of them came and went. Um, one I did on a dare. Uh, I was married at the time and my ex-wife and I had these horrible stories that we had before we met each other. And so we called it the dates from hell show. And this is where not thinking about your business plan can come back to haunt you. Cause I, at the time there are all these different, there still are dating sites and many of them had an affiliate program. So I said, Oh, we'll sign up for the affiliate program and we'll promote that. And these are people that are maybe trying to find love on the internet, but the re the way we brought them in, was by telling these horrendous stories about really bad dates. Like my ex-wife had somebody that literally just dropped his pants in the middle of a date. Just like, hey, look at me, here I am. And she's like, okay, I'm leaving now. So, and it's like, and by the way, if you'd like to go on a date, go over to, you know, match.com slash Dave. And I'm like, yeah, that didn't, that did not work at all. So that was where I'm like, hmm, might want to think about these a little more in the future. So a lot of tests and, and just playing with stuff. And then you find out, what you like and, and kind of find your own voice and, and keep on going. When you started working with Libsyn, mm -hmm. how did your podcasting improve? I think the biggest one is I get to see things that other people don't. Like right now there are 700,000 podcasts in Apple podcasts. And there are times that like right now Libsyn has a podcast called the feed and if you go into iTunes and type the feed, it does not come up. You have to do a little searching for it to show up. And that is just the nature of the, the you know, the way it is. Uh, Apple search is not great. It's just not. And I'm now starting to see that in Spotify. So I was actually going to make a video today to explain to people that, and I was going to use the analogy of radio. If you think about it, when you, I don't know, you go to a, you know, you fly someplace, you got a rental car, you don't know what's on the radio. So you just hit scan. 
And when you find something you like, I'm like, cool, finally a rock station. You put it into the preset. And I go, that's really what Apple and Spotify are doing when they give you the link to your show. And I said, so instead of saying, find me an Apple podcast, along with the other 700,000 podcasts, have, have, you know, good luck with that. Why not send them to your website where you've got a preset? Click on this one button that takes you right to your show on Apple podcast. And then the other thing that I didn't realize is because at times we're all kind of stupid Americans, 80% of Europe is using an Android phone. And when we send them an Apple link, they're kind of like, yeah, thanks. What do I do with this? So send them to your website where you've got a link to Apple, a link to uh, Google Podcasts, maybe Spotify, and then for the big nerds, you know, give them an RSS button so that they can subscribe and whatever they want and let them choose and maybe even give them directions because that's the other thing. It's the curse of knowledge. Like when I say subscribe to a podcast, you're like, oh yeah, I got it in a couple clicks and you're good to go. I was teaching a, uh, a group of small business owners uh, a couple weeks ago about how they can benefit from podcasting. And I had people, I had people in front of me that had never listened to a podcast. And it was interesting watching them how to search and find something because they, they handled their phone like it was going to break because they were in an air, like they were out of their comfort zone. And they're instantly like, I'm just like, what's, what's your hobbies or what's your favorite TV show? And this one woman typed in like Hallmark and there's actually a Hallmark channel podcast. Of course there is. There's a podcast about everything. Uh, But it was fun just watching her like, okay, now what do I do? And I was like, it's been so long since I've been in their shoes. It was such a a cool thing to do. So it's always good if you can um, get in the shoes of your potential customer so you can kind of remember what it's like. So for those who come to you most often, right? And, And with the School of Podcasting, you know, I know you have so many great resources for people whether it be the show, whether it be, you know, your consulting, your, your other freebies, your courses, all that stuff. What would you say is the most impactful thing that you can teach people about podcasting? A lot of it is a lot of people think it's going to be the technology. Like I don't know anything about technology, but it's usually not the tech. Cause then they'll almost like, Oh, here, you need to buy this microphone and this interface, because it's just you, you're doing the solo show. And in theory, they're good to go. Go get a piece of artwork and a media host, you're good to go. Now they've got to get over the, the mental part. And that's where a lot of people call it imposter syndrome. And so it's, uh, I just saw a great video uh, with Joe Rogan, and he was explaining how he, this is a guy who has bazillions of downloads on every episode. And he still says, when I meet celebrities, he goes, I still kind of feel like I'm like, who am I? And I'm like, you're Joe Rogan. And uh, he, his guest was Henry Rollins, who's a musician slash author guy. And he was opening up for Ozzy Osbourne, who is, you know, he's Ozzy. So there's only one Ozzy. And uh, Henry was his opening act. And he went to Henry goes, is, is there anybody out there? And he's like, well, yeah, about 19,000 people, you know. And I was just like, I'm always worried nobody's going to show up. And I was like, dude, you're Ozzy Osbourne. So we all kind of have that. Is anybody going to listen to me? And it's one of the things where birds of a feather kind of flock together. And so if you're in a group of people who are all talking about, let's take musicians. We have a bunch of musicians together and we're talking about different gear or different bands. And I think probably a great example of this is the one time I I was at dinner with my ex-wife and I said something about Pete Best. And she goes, who's Pete Best? And I go, you seriously don't know who Pete Best is? And she goes, 
No, I'm like, come on, seriously. I go, he was the drummer in the Beatles before Ringo. She goes, where do you learn this stuff? And I go, everybody knows who Pete Best was. And she goes, you hang out with musicians. Of course, those people know who Pete Best is. She goes, I'm not a musician. I don't know. So the whole thing where it's like, well, who would listen to me? You think you don't know anything because everybody that you hang out with probably knows a similar amount of stuff that you do. And so now when you take that content and put it in front of a, a new audience, they're like, wow, this guy's a genius or this woman knows everything there is to know about that subject. So you're probably a lot smarter than you think you are. And then the, the last thing is your voice. A lot of people when they hear, and it's science behind it. Cause like right now I hear my voice through my headphones, but I'm also, it sounds weird listening through my skull. And if you don't believe me, put your fingers on your forehead and talk and you will feel where your forehead is actually kind of vibrating. And the cool term is bone conduction, which I'm pretty sure was like a band by like in the mid nineties, ladies and gentlemen, this Saturday bone conduction. But uh, the problem is when you then listen to your podcast for the first time through speakers, now all you're listening through is your ears. There's no bone conduction and it doesn't sound horrible. It does sound different. So I've had people like, is that really how I sound? To which I then say, okay, in a non-argumentative type of conversation, have you ever had somebody on the phone hang up on you? And they're like, you mean it's not an argument? I'm like, nope, you just call them up and you're talking about, you went to the movie. They're like, yep. I'm like, okay, did they hang up on you? And they're like, no. And I'm like, then your voice isn't that bad. So just, just deal with it. But those are some of the things I think that I, I can help people kind of get over the hump and, and I try to, I don't take myself too seriously, but I take podcasting pretty seriously. And I just, I have so many different things I can point people to that like, look, here's, you're not going to get, you know, I, there's a running gag at the school of podcasting. Nobody's going to punch you in the face. You know, it's not going to kill you. And, you know, when you first start out, the good news and the bad news is nobody's listening when you first start, you know, it's your parents, your cousins, aunts and uncles, things like that. So if it's horrible, you know, nobody heard it, you know, so, uh, that's, that's the, like I said, the good news and the bad news. So I want to put you on the spot a little bit because sure. I think it's fun and like you're definitely an expert, so you could totally, uh, totally right. take this run with it. But how would you improve the Project Egg Show? Like what steps would you go through to improve it? Hmm. Well, we did a little bit of it. And that is, this is where you have the curse of knowledge where you know who your audience is and you know what they want and things like that. So when I, when I first came on and you probably were going to tell me this anyway, but I jumped the gun and I said, okay, first things first, who am I talking to? Uh, and then sometimes if you let people know, Hey, the interview is going to be, I don't know, we're shooting for X amount of thing. Then I know how long my, my answers need to be. So do we need the, the short, medium or long answer? Uh, and then what else would you do to improve it? Your audio sounds great. You're asking really good questions. Here's the, here's the true mark of a good interview. I haven't, you, you've asked questions that I've not been asked ever. So here, and here's why that's different. Cause if you'd asked, uh, I don't know, the same old questions, what's the best microphone? And not that that's a bad question, but there are a lot of questions I get asked all the time. The chances of me sharing that with my audience are slim. Why? Because they've heard me answer those questions 500 times. But now you're getting into my childhood and all this other stuff that my audience hasn't heard. So yeah, I'm definitely going to share this episode. Why? Because it's not the same old, you know, uh, do you know who Pat Flynn is? Yeah, he's actually been on the show. Oh, well, there you go. So Pat Flynn has the whole green 
whatever it was, Academy, his, his ebook that went crazy. And he's got a great story. Not, you know, let's not take that away from him. But on the other hand, if you do anything with Pat Flynn, you, I've heard that story at least five times. So there are times when you've got to ask different questions if you want people to, you know, share your content and you're doing a great job at that. So. So how would you improve? Like, let's say I was a consulting client of yours or I was, I was trying to, you know, I I wanted to pay you for your time so that you could help me out and help me get better, take it to the next level. Okay. First thing I'm going to look at your website. So many people have a link to Apple podcast that drives me bonkers. As I said earlier, 80% of Europe's on, on an Android phone. Uh, we're going to make sure that all the technology is going to work because it doesn't make any sense to promote something that doesn't work. Uh, and then we're also, if we can, really the key is how do you know if you're good? How do you know if you're good? Because so many people are like, okay, how do I get on a network? How do I, how do I get an advertiser? How do we do all this stuff? And they're not asking the question, how do I know if I'm good? Which is kind of what you're asking. And so this is where if you can find somebody not named mom to listen to your show, that hopefully is a potential audience member or potential client, uh, that's where you need to say, hey, can you do me a favor? I would really, you know, I appreciate the fact that you signed up for my email list or whatever they did, or I've known you and we met at an event or whatever it is. Can you do me a huge favor? It's, it's really not that long of an, of an interview. Can you listen to this and then talk about it like I'm not in the room? And some people, it's funny because I've done this. I do this when I go to events. If somebody comes up to me and says, hey, I just want to let you know, I listen to your show. I think it's great. I'm like, awesome. Why is it great? They'll be like, I don't know. You're, you're educational, but you're kind of funny and you're kind of goofy and it just makes it entertaining. I'm like, cool, great. How can I improve my show? And they'll go, oh, I, I, I love the show. Really, I can't. And I'll just say, okay. And I'll just shut up. And you have this weird, awkward silence where I'm waiting for an answer. And finally they'll go, all right, I hate it when your cat interrupts. And then when I'm like, okay, cool. I don't know if I can do anything about that, but I'll try to do that. And the fact that they see I'm not going to melt, all of a sudden they'll go, you know, sometimes it goes a little long or I hate it when you do that. I'm like, okay. And the key, if you really want somebody to just give you constructive feedback, the minute they start, pick up something. I don't care if it's a post-it note or your phone, start taking notes. Because now the, the body language is showing what you're is saying out of your mouth is so good. I'm going to write this down. And that just your body language is like, I'm listening. And hopefully they'll keep giving you more information. So, uh, but that's what I do. I try to do that. So if you can find anybody that's your target audience and say, hey, what do you like about this? What could I do differently? You know, and then just listen, basically. And then the the bottom line is you have to be able to uh, I'll give you an example. When I went to my first event in New York, I, it's the first place I remember going where I had like five or six people that said, hey, I listen to your show, which is always great to hear. And when I said, what would you change about it? They all said the same thing. It's too short. And I'm like, really? Because it's already 20 minutes long. And they're like, yeah, I get like halfway to work and or I get, you know, it just needs to be longer. And I'm like, really? Because like, I'm like, well, how long? They're like, oh, at least a half hour, 40 minutes would be great. 45s. And I'm like, I guess that's a lot of Dave, you know, in my book. And they're like, no, that'd be perfect. So that's why my show is typically now about 45 minutes long. Um, it really depends, you know, on your audience. People always ask me all the time, how long should my show be? And the answer is how long can you hold their attention? You know, there's a, a great book called Beyond Powerful Radio by Valerie Gell. And she has one of my favorite quotes ever. And it's like, there is no such thing as too boring. Or no, there's no such thing as too long, only too boring. And that's true. Cause I've listened to podcasts that are 
90 minutes long and they get done. You're like, that's it. Cause it was just this great story. And then I've listened to a 10 minute podcast and I'm like, is this over yet? So there is no such thing as too long, only too boring. So um, I, I guess that would really be it. And then just look at, uh, don't obsess over your stats, but see if there's anything that really jumped out at, you know, that really seemed to get more downloads than that. Uh, definitely install Google analytics on your website to see what's coming in that way. Cause sometimes it's interesting. You'll see different posts that got more traffic on the web that don't always translate to the podcast. I'm always like, Hmm, okay. So that's kind of different. So any kind of uh, analytics you can use to do that. But uh, the best is, you know, face-to-face -face communication with your target audience. But, and then you can do things like, um, I mean, there's Google forms you can make. In fact, that, that reminds me, I haven't done one in a while, but I need to, uh, to do some sort of poll your audience kind of, do you like this? What's good? What's bad kind of thing. And I haven't done one of those in probably five years. So I'm, I'm overdue for that to take the temperature of my audience. Dave, that was awesome. So thank, thank you, sir. Thank you very much for, for sharing that. Um, and I, and I want to thank you so much for, for coming on the show and, and for sharing everything that you have. Uh, I really do appreciate it. Just have a few more questions for you. Then we'll go ahead and wrap it on up. All right. Um, you know, one of the bedrocks of the show is connection, right? Because the, the show, when I started, it was actually kind of an accident. You know, I was putting together a, a group, a Facebook group, in which, you know, Project Egg, the, e, the EGG stands for Entrepreneurs Gathering for Growth. And it started off as a Facebook group where, you know, I wanted to invite entrepreneurs together, quickly realized that the entrepreneurs in the group were freaking awesome. And so I started to interview them. And, you know, now it's grown into to this amazing, beautiful thing. Um, so it's all about connection for me. And, and, and I'm fascinated by connection. So I really want to know, what is your philosophy on developing deep, genuine, and meaningful connection with another person? Hmm. Another really good question. And I'm not saying that to stall for time, because uh, you're making me think here. I guess part of it is... So I'm trying to think of who am I connected to? And some of it is you share something in common. And that's what's kind of weird. When I go to a podcasting event, you have an instant connection because everybody in that room knows what it's like to want more listeners. And everybody in there knows what it's like to, you know, you're in the same boat. And that's where I see all these different little communities pop up. Like there's a, a, a woman I know whose name is escaping me now because I'm trying to remember it. But she does. Uh, it's all about adoptees on Haley Radke. Uh, does it. And the only people who know what it's like to be adopted are people that are adopted. And so when you go to your community, when you dive into your niche, whatever it is, and you kind of need to live, live, breathe, eat, sleep in your niche so you know what's going on, because how can you solve a problem for these people if you don't know what their problems are? So uh, I guess it's the biggest thing for me, and this is what's still kind of fun, I'm still kind of shy underneath of it. If I walk into a room, I don't know anybody, and I actually, in, ooh, that gets me, I, my hair stands up just thinking about it. So I have to get over that. Uh, and then just part of it is just, uh, I'm trying to think of it. I guess to a certain extent, letting your guard down and being somewhat vulnerable with another person. So when you, when somebody says, you know, well, what's one of the things you need to grow on? And I'm like, oh, I'm horrible with typos. I need to have at least three VAs come over and check everything I write because it's horrendous, you know, and then they go, oh, I need this or that. I know uh, I went to a thing in uh, 
Philadelphia. It was called Mid-Atlantic Podcast Conference. It's really cool. It's kind of a, uh, a smaller conference, but the networking there was awesome. And it just so happened that everybody at the table, and I don't even know how it came up, but all of a sudden you have more or less six strangers all talking about how hard it is to be an entrepreneur and keep your marriage together and not be a workaholic. And it was weird just to hear we all were like, oh man, and I do this and that. And then, you know, four, four out of six are in therapy already and they're doing couples counseling. And it was amazing just to watch that happen. And so I'm still connected with those people because you kind of talked about things that you normally don't talk about with other people. So that kind of connection, I think if you can just be a little more vulnerable with people, uh, that does that. And then the other thing is I have some people that I email and uh, talk to on, the, here's a novel idea. This thing called the phone, you can actually call other people and talk to them. And so not just text messages. And so I have a few people and it was the same thing. I was at an event and we're all sitting around talking about how we work from home. And I said, it's funny because I go to the grocery store and I want to have an in-depth conversation with the cashier because I haven't spoken to another person in four days. And I said, I'll, I'll text and I'll slack and I'll whatever I'm communicating with people, but actual talking to somebody I'm not. And they said, well, this is stupid. We all work from home. Why don't we just occasionally get on the phone and talk to each other? And I'm like, done. And we all traded phone numbers and it's hilarious. Cause when we do, it's a long conversation because we haven't talked to anybody. So I think that's the other thing, just finding out what each other needs and then just helping each other. I, I have a, a few friends that, uh, um, you know, have just come in really handy. I, I got to go to New York a couple months ago and I've had a friend that always said, Hey, if you ever come to New York, I am your tour guide. And so I said, Hey, guess what? I'm coming to New York. And she's like, Hey, I'm your tour guide. And so she gave me this awesome tour of New York city. I've never been there. I mean, I've been there, but never a chance to do any touristy stuff. So, and I've had, um, different times where I forget where I was at in Oklahoma, but I was like out in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. And I just said on my podcast, I said, Hey, I'm going to be in nowhere, Oklahoma and on this date person emails me, I am taking you to dinner. So it's kind of weird. You don't know who's listening, but now that is another guy that I am still in contact with. So it's just a matter, I think in some cases, um, lowering, you know, the, the guard a little bit, letting people in, uh, following up with them, and just keeping that relationship going. It's like anything else. You, you gotta, you know, um, there's, there are some relationships that can handle that. Like my best friend from school, I talked to, I mean, I've known the guy for, you know, decades. Uh, when we get together, we pick up right where we left off, but we only talk to each other maybe once a month, but it's still once a month. So, you know, it depends on the relationship exactly where you're going to pick up, but you do have to kind of water the, the plants every now and then to keep that relationship going. Because otherwise you're like, wait, did I tell you about the thing? And they're like, no, what? And then you, the whole thing is playing catch up. It's kind of fun. But I guess that's how you keep those going and how you, how you build that connection. So Dave, I want to thank you again so much for coming on the show. Uh, you know, I really do appreciate the, the time that we've been able to share together. And I'm grateful that, um, you know, you were able to come on and, and make time for this. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. It was a great, great being here. I, I really do appreciate it. Absolutely. And to everybody who's watching, listening, I love you guys and gals. Y'all are the best. Y'all are the reason that I do this. So I want to, I want to thank y'all from the bottom of my heart. Dave, you want to wrap us up? When in doubt, uh, do whatever Ben says. No, if you want to, if you want to come see me, I'm over at school of podcasting.com. It's kind of the hub for all things, Dave. And uh, Ben, thanks for, thanks for being here, buddy. Absolutely. So, you know, 
we, Dave and I actually were speaking a little bit before this and we wanted to give y'all a super special, super secret, not that secret, <laughs> but a super special gift for sticking with us uh, till the end of the podcast. And we wanted to give you a checklist, maybe a cheat sheet, however you, uh, however you want to take that on some of the top ways to monetize your podcast. Because, you know, I can say from experience, trying to figure out once you have an amazing show, you have your systems down, you have all the infrastructure built, and then it's like, okay, why isn't the money pouring in, right? You know, going from having a great show to being able to build a full-time income off of that, that's a, that's a, big, that's a big jump. And for a lot of people, that could mean a whole heck of a lot as far as your, your level of fulfillment and, and the milestone that that would represent on your journey. So we put together a resource for you. You can actually go pick that up at projectegg.co slash SOP, as in School of Podcasting. So that's projectegg.co slash SOP. And it will also be readily available for you in the show notes and wherever else it could be readily available and, for you. And the fun secret of that, if you're thinking, oh, they're just going to talk about advertising, advertising is one of the worst ways to monetize your podcast. So that's, you'll, you'll find out what the best way is when you, uh, when you get the, uh, the free gift there. And speaking of free gifts, if you go to school of podcasting, if you want to start a podcast, I would love to help you. That's what I've been doing for almost uh, 15 years now. Go to school of slash Ben, and that will uh, take you over there. And if you want to use the coupon code Ben and uh, you will save 20% off either a monthly or yearly subscription, or if you want, you can hire me for consulting, but, Go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash Ben. So that's just my way of saying thanks for having me on the show. Well, thank you so much for that, Dave. And, you know, I know that putting so much time and effort into what you do, uh, you know, people people pay you a lot of money for for your knowledge and access to you. So it really does mean a lot that you would make that a little bit um, more available to to those who have stuck with us. So thank you very much for that. And to everybody who's listening, once again, thank you so much. I am uh, I'm very grateful that you would stick with us the whole time and that you always support the show. Let's change the world.